0: Welcome to The Global Marketing Show, the podcast for all things international business. I'm your host, Wendy Pease, President of Rapport International and a translation expert. Come along with me today as we talk to an expert in the global marketing world about facing their biggest fears, hearing about mistakes they made or saw, discussing best practices, and sharing fun travel language and culture stories. Welcome to a special edition of the global marketing show. Today, host Wendy Pease conducts an on the spot interview with an attendee of the XIM conference in Washington, D.C., that was held in December of 2022. The XIM conference is an opportunity for attendees to learn about the Export Import Bank of the United States' financing tools, as well as network and explore opportunities for global exporting with other attendees and vendors. We hope you enjoy today's guest and keep listening for more episodes from this amazing conference. Welcome to the next episode of the Global Marketing Show and we're continuing our series of interviews done at the XM Conference in Washington DC and of course you're going to find people who are trade experts that are here. And so my conversation now is with Carla Sidney Stone from the World Trade Center in Delaware and I know we're going to hear some great stories so welcome Carla.
1: Thank you very much Wendy, thank you for asking me to participate in this.
0: Yes, yes, I'm so excited to hear some of the stories. So tell me a bit about your background and how you
1: ended up at the World Trade Center. Well, I've always worked internationally. I'm an engineer. I started out in geophysics and mining and work. minerals don't know how to read a map, basically. <laughs> they they flunked, ge- they flunked geof- geography, they really did, so they don't know how to read a map. And so it's a really very much an international profession. Right. So that's how I started and then I began working and I worked and worked in banking because banks have to do valuations and they run to mining companies. So they have a lot of engineers. and I worked internationally and where did you work? I I, my headquarters, the, my, I worked in New York, but I traveled extensively places like Japan and Hong Kong and Australia, and places where minerals are located, or manufacturing, finance, etc. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so you
0: did that, and that's where you got your background. How did you end up at the World Trade Center?
1: I've been, well, over the years I've been working internationally, I've done, and I started doing a lot of technical assistance. Working for is one of the speakers or several of the speakers today called the alphabet soup of agencies (laughs) around the world and including in academia And so I worked on engineering and water went over to the environmental side and then basically my background has been at the intersection of engineering and public health and health because I've worked on everything from Water to energy to avian influenza, and my last time doing technical assistance was actually in telemedicine. Wow! Overseas, and and all the work has been overseas.
0: Okay, so with telemedicine, you were launching telemedicine access
1: internationally, or what were you doing? This was a project overseas to develop a plan for this country's rural and remote area telemedicine services. And are they implemented now?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah? Oh, good for you. That's fantastic work, and what a intersection of everything from your background.
1: It really was, and I was lucky enough following that. I was, at the time, working on a project for for NATO actually and on telemedicine and then working on a book and at that time I was asked to join World Trade Center Delaware and they were very supportive of aid work and technical assistance and it was a good fit.
0: Okay, so in all your time doing the international travel you must have run across something funny or embarrassing or so Different than what you had been exposed to. Can you give us like a good cultural experience or cultural shock?
1: (laughs) Oh, I say, I can get in trouble in about six or eight languages. Any, any time, any. I've been on every continent with the exception of Antarctica. Antarctica. Right. (laughs) I'm gonna get there. I'm definitely gonna get there someday. I'm determined to see the penguins in their natural habitat. Let's see. I jump
0: in and say Antarctica because I I think I, I interviewed a woman Babs Ryan who had done business in every continent except for Antarctica. So that story comes up a lot. So we're going to need to create a little business there for all of you who have done business in all continents except for Antarctica. Yeah,
1: I have. I had a colleague who's actually been there on projects twice. So uh, so uh, it is possible. It's. Uh, Maybe, I said, when do I get to go? You're not gonna use any of this, right? Anyway, the, I would say, the first time I was in Hong Kong, I went out at lunchtime, and I was unprepared for how crowded it was. Mm-hmm. Really unprepared for how crowded at lunchtime, and I, it, it was a different experience.
0: Tell me more about what that was.
1: I think that we, one of the things you learn, different cultures have different distances for speaking, for passing each other on the street, for how we address each other, there are very different distances. And in Hong Kong, because everything is squeezed so tightly together, the streets are very narrow, the, the streets and the sidewalks seem to blend in some places you expect to be a little bit more distance. And I had been in the outbacks of Australia before I went to Hong Kong, so it was a completely different, completely different so kind of distance. Of space and,
0: and distance in Australia and very close. And you were living in New York at the time, which
1: is... But not nearly, but people weren't as close in general in terms of speaking, passing each other on the street. It was much closer in Hong Kong and, and the numbers of people. I just wasn't prepared for that. And I think part of it was the juxtaposition. I had just been looking at mines in Australia, and I remember the first time I saw we're, we're driving down a road and the first thing, this kangaroo hopping down through <laughs> the road, and I'm going. You know, of course, as an American, you go crazy. Right. It's wonderful, and people say, "Well, it's similar to deer where you are." Yes, yeah. But going from one distance to another, and that's very cultural.
0: Yeah. And so, how did you handle it? Because it must have felt very
1: uncomfortable. I took a deep breath. Mm-hmm. And I said, just think about it being on a packed subway.
0: Okay, okay. So don't get annoyed at the jostling and the touching and the close proximity, but just think subway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always interesting to hear what it is that can, that culturally can be challenging or different, different, because you have to be open when you're traveling internationally.
1: I think that had I gone straight from New York it would have been different experience. Mm-hmm. And what
0: about the people that you work with at the World Trade Center? How do you prep them for going out of the country to trade missions or doing
1: international business when the culture is so different? I tell them to read. Mm-hmm. Read, read, read. If you're going to a country that has a diaspora community so. in the United States or in Delaware, don't be afraid to call their organization. We partner with a number of diaspora organizations, particularly for that reason. And the diaspora communities are excellent links between the United States and other countries. What do you mean by a diaspora? Community? People who have immigrated, or their, or their family members or descendants.
0: So, like we have a Chinatown in in Boston, you know, that's where I'm from. So, how, how would you recommend somebody? reach out to the community.
1: There's probably a Chinese-American community center or school mm-hmm. or religious institution, mm-hmm. language school, you call them.
0: Just call them and see if you can get together for a coffee and build a relationship? Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, you know, we've had people call the, the, the global marketing show is sponsored by Rapport International. And we've had people call saying, I'm going to such and such a country What should I know? And so we'll talk them through some of the basics there. But I love that idea of going out to the community and the the, the communities and making connections before you go. That's fantastic.
1: Another example now is I had taken a group of people with me when I was working and living in Bulgaria. And someone was really upset by something. And she said, don't you see this? Don't you see this? And I said, see what? And she said, what is that guy doing? And The gestures, and I said, oh, it's like my grandfather, don't worry about it, it doesn't mean anything. And it was was eye-opening to me that something I took for granted was so, if you will, foreign to someone else.
0: That they were offended by and didn't realize that this person was just making normal gestures in the country? but were offensive to Americans?
1: Well, she didn't understand what it meant, Mm -hmm. what the gesture was. And it was, for instance, how you nod the head. She just had a terrible difficulty. That means no.
0: Oh, where you raise, your your head goes up and down where it means yes in the United States. And this is, you know, yes. Okay, so up and down meant no, and shaking, like, bobbling your head meant no meant yes?
1: Yeah, as opposed to no. And this is in Bulgaria? This was in Bulgaria. You also see it in parts of Greece and other places, but yeah, it's very Bulgarian.
0: Okay, okay. so it also reminds, it has an of India, where the head goes back and forth, but it's that's not different. a no, that's a yeah, well, maybe. Different
1: meaning. Different meaning.
0: Different meaning. Okay.
1: And we're not aware of how gestures translate or don't translate mm-hmm. very much we're not aware of that and it can affect a meeting pacing of a meeting yes how you speak how you how you answer a question yes yeah, so
0: give some more examples on that
1: I think that Americans are very very direct and it can be interpreted as very brusque And it can be almost offensive to some other cultures that tend to be far more formal. We tend to be very informal as people. So I think that without knowing it, you might offend somebody by the familiarity or or brusqueness that you can be or quickness. Mm Right, so it's better to take the
0: time and build the relationship, because most other countries you have to have the relationship first.
1: You will hear in many, many cultures, many countries, we only do business with our friends.
0: And so how do you go about developing
1: that friendship? You have to. It's a relationship that you have to build, and you build, and you build, and you build. It's not instant. I, my guess is when we all start going out in the world again, that there's going to be a transition from e-commerce. Think about, Americans are very transactional. Mm -hmm. We tend to, you go, you want to sign the contract, that kind of thing. And e-commerce fits in very well with that. You either make the sale or you don't. And yet, we'll have to learn social niceties as we go overseas again. Mm. So interesting. I
0: just read something
1: about Elon
0: Musk's... Musk's rules like corporate rules and he talked about meetings that if it's a big meeting and you don't have a purpose there get up and leave because you're wasting your time and you're not going to be any value added if a meeting's lasting too long it's good to end it you know or or get up and leave and you only should be in a meeting if if you know it's you've got a reason for being there. And so it's going on and on like this, and it's so anti-building a relationship. Like some meetings, you just have to be in to build that trust and that, that relationship. And I kind of laughed, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I don't like meetings, but <laughs> I, anybody... I know the value of pulling together different brains and different opinions to get to a better consensus. So that is like US independence on steroids. So it goes back to what you're talking about with e-commerce, just be efficient.
1: Very much so. And I think that Americans are very uncomfortable with silence in the meeting.
0: Hmm. And other countries will take more silence.
1: More silence, a slower pace, more silence. Silence does not always mean I disagree with you. It can mean... And taking a moment to think before I say something.
0: That's a really good point. So this is this is such valuable information for anybody that's doing international business and at the Delaware World Trade Center, this is some of the
1: kind of advising that you do, right? Well, we don't get this specific, mm-hmm. but we do have cultural programs. We have training We primarily on things like logistics, financing, how to do business in a particular country, what the resources are to do business, whether it's EXIM, the U.S. Commercial Service, the World Bank, how do you find a trade lead, how do you evaluate a trade lead, and we can help. Both import and export, because remember there are many, many companies that have to import components mm. that they're going to make, or as a or they will need to hire people overseas to staff an overseas office. It can't all be necessarily filled by Americans. So we we help companies evaluate. We also do a lot of job posting. We work with other organizations, with um, with funders, training partners, U.S. government agencies, multilateral funders, aid organizations, just all these kinds of programs, U.S. TDA. We do trade missions. We do exhibitions. So we, at, who do you, 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 you provide so Michelle. many
0: services. Who, who do you work with? What kind of people, what kind of companies should reach out to you?
1: both service providers and product makers. It could be a small engineering firm. It can be an agricultural technology firm. Can
0: you give me a couple examples of success
1: stories? Sure, we worked with a small agri-tech company and worked to help them develop a plan for for going overseas and took them to trade show and gave them a lot of information, helped them network and do research and start developing those kind of contacts they needed and develop their plan. And about a year or two later, the company wrote a letter to the governor saying, we're looking at millions and millions and millions of potential dollars of sales. That's really nice when one of your companies succeeds. Wow, that's fantastic. And then writes a letter to the government about, I mean to the governor, about how well you did in helping them. And it's, it's a feminine cap for Delaware. It wasn't just us, it was a lot of people. Right. We, we help them with different agencies in the U.S. government. We, information sources. Why should companies export? It's such a big market in the U.S. Well, over 95% of all consumers live outside of the United States. (laughs) That's one good reason. But companies that export tend to be more stable. They're able to ride out downturns in the economy better because they have a diversity of customers around the world. Everybody is not going to be in a downturn at the same time necessarily. You can make adjustments in terms of foreign exchange. So there's there are different times. One country's exchange rate will be, say, on a par with the United you might be on a par with the United States. Another time the dollar might be much, much stronger in another economy, in which case that particular economy is unable to purchase your goods. So you want to be where the exchange rates are more even if you're looking for customers other times if you're an importer you want that stronger dollar but we do import we have a port in wilmington that is has is number one in a number of of things it does for instance it has the port of wilmington is the number one banana port in the moroccan clementines come through the port of wilmington all kinds of produce comes through the port of Port of Wilmington. Highly specialized. They have the largest cold storage in the country, on-site cold storage, the longest, largest fumigation in the country at the Port of Wilmington. So that's an important relationship on the times of year that we're not growing grapes or particular products, so they can bring them in from. South America or South Africa or Morocco, the Clementines come from Morocco. And so that's, that's one example on the import side that we, we can help with. We help companies very large and small build those relationships. So as a importer, you wanna have a variety of places to buy, as an exporter, you wanna have a variety of places to sell Companies that export are more profitable, stay in business longer, more stable, they, and they can pay their employees much more.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, well, if you're listening to this episode and you know anybody who owns a business or works for a company that has something they could export, you definitely need to forward this episode along, whether they're in Delaware or not, because I'm sure you have connections in other states if, if you can't help them.
1: Well, the World Trade Centers Association has over 320 World Trade Centers around the world in almost 100 countries. Mm. So if we don't have the connection or the answer, one of our partner World Trade Centers will. Right. And we can ask a World Trade Center anywhere in the world a question. Uh, And they ask of us.
0: All right, well, we're we're, we're running out of time, unfortunately, because this is such good information. I've really enjoyed this.
1: What's your favorite foreign word? Blogadaria. Blogadaria. Mm-hmm. It's Bulgarian, and it means thank you. Oh, and it's fun good, to say.
0: It is a fun word to say. Blogadaria. <laughs> good. Well, where can people reach you if they'd like to learn more, Carla?
1: We're in Delaware. We're also on the internet at www.ww WTCDE.com.
0: Okay, and so they can find you through there or submit a contact form, right? Absolutely. Okay, so Carla Sidney Stone, and she's from the World Trade Center in Delaware, WTCDE, it's in the show notes. Thank you so much for the stopping by today at the XM conference and taking the time to chat with us.
1: Thank you very much, Wendy. Glugudadia.
0: Glugudadia that's a wrap for this session a big thanks to you for listening to the global marketing show hope you had just as much fun as i did new sessions launch weekly on all places you find podcasts apple spotify google play and of course on our website if you know someone interested in this topic please tell them about us au revoir for now